Rochelle Davis had surgery today, and she's at home resting tonight, and I'm thankful she got through that. We'll remember her. Would you turn back to Judges 11? Now, I want to remind you that the Bible claims to be the inspired word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And every scripture is given to teach us the gospel. The Lord said, you search the scriptures, in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. So this passage of scripture that we just read, we know it is inspired of God, and we know it's given to teach us the gospel. Now, which of us have not read this scripture before and felt very uncomfortable? I know I have. I've read this passage of scripture and thought, what is the point? Why is this in Revelation? Now, I think it's very interesting that this event and this man is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. You know, there are over 3,200 names in the Bible, and only 15 of them make Hebrews chapter 11. And Jephthah is one of them. Now, I could have thought of other men I might have picked out, Elisha, Elijah, Hezekiah, Josiah, but God the Holy Spirit moved the writer to the Hebrews to pick out this individual as an example of faith, Jephthah. Verse 30 of Judges chapter 11. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's. And I will offer it up for a burnt offering, a sacrificial offering. And there's death involved. There's no burnt offering without death. Well, the Lord delivered the children of Ammon into his hands. And we read in verse 34, And Jephthah came to Mizpah, unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child because beside her he had neither son nor daughter. Now can you imagine how he felt when he saw his only daughter coming out like this? I can't even begin to imagine the horror he must have felt when he saw his daughter coming out in glee, happy, proud of her father. She comes dancing out to meet him, so thankful for the victory the Lord had given him. Verse 35, 
And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. I don't see how she could have brought him any lower when he thought of the vow he made and what he was called upon to perform. Thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. I made a vow to the Lord that whatever comes out my front door, they're going to be a burnt offering to the Lord, and I cannot go back on my vow. And what a remarkable young lady this is. And she said unto him, My father, this makes me think that she was a believer. I have no doubt about that. If thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth, forasmuch as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon, do what you vowed to do. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months before I'm offered up as a burnt offering. Let me alone two months that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. Now, how tempted would you be to not return? I'm sure the thought must have entered her mind, but she returned. And he said, go. He trusted her. Go. And he sent her away for two months. Can you imagine how horrible those two months were for both of those people? Jephthah and his daughter. This two months of knowing what was going to happen at the end of this. That I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity, I and my fellows. And he said, go. And he, and he sent her away for two months. And she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of the two months that she returned unto her father knowing what her end was who did with her according to his vow which he had vowed and she knew no man and it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in a year so he took his daughter he killed her, he put her on an altar, and he burned her up. How does that make you feel? You're supposed to feel that way. You're supposed to feel that way. Now, over the centuries, much has been said about the sto this story. Many sermons have been preached on Jephthah's foolish and rash vow. Many have maintained that he didn't kill her. She simply remained a virgin. Now, I don't see how you can get that when it was a burnt offering. A burnt offering involves death. And this young lady I have no doubt, was killed. That was what his vow was. Many have said that there is a loophole in the law for this kind of vow where he could have got out of it, and he should have got, 
out of it. And this was wrong for him to do this. And then some have thought, what kind of God would require him to keep it in the first place? And why did not God stop this? A human sacrifice? Why did not God prevent this from happening? Well, let me answer those objections before we look into this passage of Scripture. Number one, you can't call it a rash vow because the writer of the Hebrews calls it an act of faith. So let's just forget this being a rash, mistaken vow. Number two, uh, people say, well, he didn't kill her. What's involved in a burnt offering? <laughs> if someone is burnt in a burnt offering, they're killed. They're put, placed upon an altar and set on fire. And if this is viewed as cruel on God's part, we have assumed a position we have no right to take. Whatever God does is right. And I have no business trying to sit in judgment on God saying, I disagree with that. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? And he doesn't do something, I say this, he doesn't do something because it's right. It's right because he does it. And in this horrifying, gut-wrenching story, that you just think, how could he do that? How could God let it happen? We have God doing right. Now, I believe, it's pretty evident to me, that his daughter was a believer. It certainly appears that way, doesn't it? She loved the Lord, wanted to be, by his grace, obedient to him. Do you know that this day that she was killed was the best day of her life? She actually entered into the presence of Christ sinless, saved. The best day of her life. No, it wasn't an act of cruelty of the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. With regard to the difficulty Jephthah had in killing his daughter, as horrible as that is, was it any less difficult for God to kill his son? I want you to think of the... I don't even know what to say about that. But was it any less difficult... For God to kill his well-beloved son, the cross is the most godlike thing God ever did. And in this passage of scripture, we have such a picture of what took place in the cross when God killed his son. I hope we will be enabled to see this by the end of this message. Now look in verse 1 of Judges chapter 11. Now Jephthah the Gileadite, Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is the mighty man of valor. And he was the son of a harlot. Well, the Lord wasn't the son of a harlot, but he had a harlot in his ancestry, didn't he? Rahab, we considered her a few weeks ago. Uh, Tamar and uh, Bathsheba are certainly questionable in many ways, but these were the Lord's uh, descendants. And this man, Jephthah, was the son of an harlot. And Gilead begat Jephthah, and Gilead's wife bare him sons. And his wife's sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah. And said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. They didn't want him to have any of the inheritance, so they kicked him out. I think of that scripture. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jephthah is kicked out because he is the son of a harlot. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob, and there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. Now he leaves and goes into the land of Tob and vain men, worthless men is what the word means, immoral men, they join themselves to him. Who is it that joins themselves to Christ? Vain men. I think of David. Remember when he was in hiding and those 400 men came to him? And do you remember how they were described? In debt, discontent, and distressed. These vain men joined themselves to Jephthah and went out with him. And it came to pass, verse 4, in the process of time, you know I love that uh, statement, the process of time. Every second is ordered by God. There's no empty space. Every second is his will being done. And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to fetch Jephthah out of the land of Tom. They have a reason now. They have heard about what a a, a mighty warrior he is, a mighty man of valor, they're in trouble. They think they can't defeat the Ammonites without Jephthah's help. So all of a sudden they become interested in Jephthah. Let's get Jephthah back on board. Verse 5 or verse 6. And they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain that we may fight with the children of Ammon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did not you hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are you coming to me now when you're in distress? Well, can't you imagine him saying that? I'd have said the same thing under those circumstances. Oh, you're coming for me now. You kicked me out, but now you need me? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, Therefore we turn again to thee now that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? Am I going to be the judge, the leader, if the Lord uses me to do this? And the elders of Gilead, verse 10, said unto Jephthah, The Lord be witness between us 
If we do not sow according to thy words, you bring us to victory and you are our king. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered all these, all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Now, in verses 12 through 27, he speaks to the children of Ammon and there's much gospel truth in what he says. But he's using diplomacy to see if they can avoid war. And it's glorious, but we don't have time really to deal with that right now. But they reject his diplomacy. Look in verse 28. Howbeit, the king of the children of Ammon hearkened not unto the words of Jephthah when she sent him. And his words of diplomacy are rejected. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. And he passed over Gilead, Manasseh passed over Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed over into the children of Ammon. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, Now don't miss this, if thou shalt without fail. Without fail, deliver the children of Israel. I need certain victory. There can't be any maybe or if or and. If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Israel into my hand. Now, I want you to look at how the Lord answered his prayer in verse 32. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them. And the Lord delivered them into his hand and he smote them. From Aurora to even until Minmouth, even 20 cities under the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. He crushed them. The Lord answered his prayer. It was a great slaughter. The children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Now, I need a salvation that's without fail. I need the Lord to do everything for me he's got to do it all if something's left up to my strength i'm in trouble and you are too i need a salvation that is without fail no failure on his part you know i love that scripture with regard to the lord jesus christ he shall not fail nor be discouraged. You see, the Lord is incapable of failure. If Jesus Christ lived for you and died for you and was raised for you, you'll be saved without fail. You see, salvation is what he does. And this is what Jephthah needed, a salvation without fail. And Jephthah, verse 30, Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, here's what will happen. Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Israel or from Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Now we've read how the Lord defeated his enemies. And then in verse 34, And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house. And behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. And she was his only child. Beside her, 
he had neither son nor daughter. He came home, and who's the first person out the door? His only daughter that he loved so dearly, the apple of his eye. He didn't have any other children, just this one precious girl. Can you imagine the remorse that must have come over him when he watched his daughter coming out with dancing and celebration over his victory? How must he have felt when he said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that troubled me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord. I cannot go back. And then we have her amazing response. What a, what a hero. She said, Whatever you told the Lord to do, do it. Because the Lord has given you this victory. But you let me go for two months. And she spent her last two months on the earth, mourning, bewailing of her virginity. And then she returns and Jephthah keeps his vow. And this thing, according to verse 40, 39 and 40, and it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gilead, four days a year. This was something to be remembered. Now, I don't know of a more powerful picture of the cross than this gut-wrenching story. Jephthah is a type of the father. His daughter is a type of, a type of the son. Now, the end or the purpose of the vow he made is to have a victory without fail. That was the purpose of this vow. If you will without fail deliver my enemies into my hand. Now, the end of this vow typifies to us a people completely delivered. Being a part of that great choir of 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands singing worthy is the lamb that was slain being perfectly conformed to his image. Now the salvation of God is a salvation without fail. I want you to think about this. When Christ said it is finished your salvation was completely accomplished. Without fail. Nothing you can do to mess it up. Nothing you can do to lose it. He accomplished it without fail. And this is all according to God's eternal purpose. The purpose of God. He, this, this picture, this, this vow. God made a vow before the foundation of the world. He gave his son a people. And he said, you be responsible for their salvation. And the Lord said, I'll do it. He became a surety for those people. And whatever it is it takes to save them, I'm calling upon you to do it. The Lord said in John chapter 6, verse 39, This is the will of him that sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose 
nothing. But raise it up again at the last day and whatever it took to save those people. Now who are these people? The elect of God. They're given as a gift of God to the Son. He gave them to Him as His bride. He gives them so He can glorify His Father. You see the cross glorified every attribute of God. All this was done according, this vow was according to the purpose of God. Now, this was Jephthah's only daughter, his only child, and how precious she was in his sight. I only have one daughter, and how precious she is in my sight, and that cannot be compared to the love the father has to the son. He said, this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. John said the father loveth the son. And hath given all things into his hand. Now how painful was it. And I know I don't understand this. And neither do you. Neither does anybody else. But how painful was it. For the father. To pour his wrath out upon his son. You see, he demonstrated that he's no respecter of persons. When sin was found on his son, he killed him. But he never stopped loving his son. How precious the son is to the father, the son of his love. He saw this precious daughter. His only child. God gave his only begotten son. Now Jephthah's daughter's virginity speaks of her purity. Her purity. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only holy man to ever live. Did you know that? He's the only man who ever kept God's holy law. He never sinned. He never sinned in thought. He never sinned in word. He never sinned in deed. He never sinned. When he was nailed to the cross and made sin, and who knows how horrible that was, but when he was nailed to the cross and made sin, he didn't sin. He never sinned. I, I love to, to think how he loved God with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his strength. And he loved his neighbors himself. He's the only one to ever do it. And you know what? Me and you nonstop break that commandment. But not him. He loved God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength and his neighbors himself. He never put anything before his father. He never had an idolatrous thought with regard to his father. Oh, how he honored the name of his father and never took his name in vain. How he rested. He's the only one to rest. Oh, how he honored his mother and his father physically. How he honored his father. He never killed anybody. He never grew angry with somebody in his heart with an unjust cause. No sexual sin. Of course, he didn't commit, never went through his mind. He never lied. He never stole. He never coveted. He said, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. How he honored the law of God. What purity 
there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if, he, if he's not perfect, he can't do me and you any good. The only way he can do us any good is if he is perfect. Now, what I notice about this dear daughter of Jephthah is she was totally willing to do this. She didn't have to be coerced. She didn't have to be commanded. She was totally willing to do this. She did it with full consent. And everything the Lord did, he did willingly. With full consent. He willingly took my sins and my sorrows. He willingly made them his very own. He willingly bore the burden to Calvary. And he willingly suffered and died alone. Even in Gethsemane's garden when he's overwhelmed with the thought of drinking the cup. The content being our sin. And he sweats great drops of blood. Even then, when he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When he spoke of going to the cross, he said, uh, no man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up. This commandment have I received of my Father. What he did, he did willingly. And that's the beauty of it. He was no victim. He was no martyr. He was the willing savior of sinners. And then this dear lady, this young lady, I imagine her to be uh, a teenager. She had to be trustworthy. You know, she said, let me go for two months and bewail my virginity and I will return. And he trusted her to do that. He knew he had to keep his vow. And here she goes off for two months. And he trusted her to do that. Remember that scripture in Ephesians 1.13 that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Who's the first one to trust? Christ, the Father did. He entrusted the Lord Jesus with my salvation and he completely trusted him to take care of it. He, oh, the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one the Father trusted. And she did come back. Now you put yourself in her position, you probably thought, maybe I won't come back. I don't want this to happen to me. But she did come back demonstrating her faithfulness in every aspect of his salvation. His faithfulness. He's faithful to do his father's will. He's faithful to me. He faithfully saved me. He faithfully put away my sin. He, everything he does is an act of his faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. She willingly returned and was killed as a burnt offering. Now, I can't imagine the pain that Jephthah went through when he did this. But whatever God does is right. Trust his character. 
Whatever he does is right. You may not understand that, but trust his character. Whatever he does is right. And I have no doubt that that little girl entered glory that very day, perfectly conformed to the image of Christ. So it was a blessing to her. But this is given to give us some idea of what was going on when Christ was nailed to that cross and the Father was pouring his wrath out on him. How, how painful that must have been. But let me remind you, he, this is from Isaiah 53, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. God satisfied with what he did? He's satisfied with what he did? And by the grace of God, I'm satisfied with what he did. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. What a glorious picture of the cross. Let's pray. Lord, how we are amazed that you would give your son a burnt offering on Calvary's tree. How we thank you for what he accomplished by that death burial and resurrection, the full salvation of his people. How we thank you for his purity, his perfection. How we thank you for his willingness to save sinners. How we thank you for his faithfulness. Lord, how we thank you for his sacrifice. And Lord, how we thank you for his resurrection. Lord, he is our salvation. Bless this message for your glory and for our good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.